In the final moments of last night's Daytona 500, excitement turned to near tragedy. Ryan Newman's vicious crash sent shockwaves through the racing world and beyond. An all-too-clear reminder of how dangerous this sport can be. Tonight's show is not our usual Tuesday edition because nothing about the last 21 hours has been usual. Tonight we are discussing the latest after a terrifying crash on the last lap of the Daytona 500 sent a car airborne and a driver to the hospital. It's a show we are so very glad is focusing on a Daytona 500 champion's recovery. And we have received some hopeful news just a short time ago. Ryan Newman is awake and speaking. Thanks for joining us for a special edition of NASCAR America. Ryan Newman, who won this race in 2008, was leading on the final lap when this crash occurred. Denny Hamlin would go on to win the race. Ryan Newman was attended to by track medical personnel, eventually removed from his car and taken to Halifax Medical Center in Daytona Beach. Now, just after 10 p.m. last night, it was announced that Newman was in serious condition, but with non-life-threatening injuries. And today, shortly before 4 p.m. Eastern, Roush Fenway Racing issuing an update, which includes the following. Ryan Newman remains under the care of doctors at Halifax Medical Center. He is awake and speaking with family and doctors. Ryan and his family have expressed their appreciation for the concern and heartfelt messages from across the country. They are grateful for the unwavering support of the NASCAR community and beyond. Marty Snyder has been in Daytona all weekend. He is still there today outside of the hospital. And Marty, I would imagine uh, the mood has been lifted just in this last uh, couple of hours. Chris, you can definitely say that. And that phrase, speaking to family and doctors, that's what everybody seems to be hanging on here. In fact, we've seen some friends and family walking out of the hospital. We saw some Roush executives leave the hospital at about 4 p.m. today. We did talk to NASCAR earlier today, and a senior official with NASCAR told me they would have no further statements on Ryan Newman's condition, that all statements moving forward would come from Roush Fenway Racing or the Newman family. And speaking of the Newman family, we know that his dad, Greg, is here with him. He was actually at the race last night and was here with Ryan all evening long. His wife, Chrissy, is also with him. She actually was on vacation during the race yesterday. And obviously, with Ryan's condition, the wife needs to be present to make decisions on his treatment moving forward. The family needed her here in NASCAR. Chris is certainly generous enough to send a plane and pick her up at her vacation spot and bring her to Daytona. Yeah, I mean, even here in Charlotte, like you said, just kind of a little bit more hopeful right now. But what was the mood like last night? You were Mm -hmm. at the track. Uh, What were your observations there at the Speedway? You know, know, Chris, it was very surreal because everybody in the sport, the drivers, the teams, everyone has been conditioned to kind of, you know, expect the driver to get out of the car, right? We saw Austin Dillon do that a few years ago, and especially the moment where they put the fire out on Ryan Newman's car. Everyone, you know, kind of turned and did their normal business. They thought Ryan would get out at any moment, so they kind of expected it to be normal. But the longer you go with no information, it really started to feel like 2001. Of course, your mind goes wild when you don't have the information. But Chris, Krista, the one image I cannot get out of my head was Ryan Blaney on pit road after the race. You know, spending time with Sterling Marlin after the 2001 accident with Dale Earnhardt Sr., he was the one who, who wrecked yeah. Dale Earnhardt Sr. 
it took him a long time to get over that, months, years, talking about how he couldn't forgive himself for that. And I saw Ryan Blaney processing that information, replaying the wreck in his head. So that image really stuck with me with Ryan Blaney on pit road, a good 15 minutes by himself, by his car, right after the race. So I would say Ryan Blaney, Corey LaJoy, outside of the Newman family, they're the happiest to get today's news, Krista. Yeah, so many elements to this story, Marty. We're going to check in with you uh, throughout the next hour here on the show. While Ryan Newman remains in the hospital, his crew members had to board a plane, fly back to Concord, North Carolina last night. That's where Dave Burns is today at Roush Fenway Racing. And Dave, I'm sure it's a strange place to be today. I would imagine a mixture of sadness, but also now uh, combined with relief. Correct, Kristen. Sadness, of course, for what nearly happened, but the relief for knowing that their guy, Ryan Newman, is on the road to recovery. And you mentioned not being usual uh, at the start of the broadcast. Well, the usual, the routine here at Roush Fenway has actually been very therapeutic today because Tuesdays are the day that everyone gets together on the main shop floor to talk about the race weekend. And that went on as scheduled at 6.30 this morning right here at Roush Fenway Racing, save for the executives that Marty mentioned who stayed behind in Florida. So they got together, they talked about what had happened, answered any questions that might be uh, coming about, and made sure that everyone had that cleared. Now, it was a little bit like a uh, rain-out day here. Uh, the pit crew practice, which normally would take place on Tuesdays, was moved until tomorrow. And some folks had their Monday duties uh, uh, kind of shuffled around a little bit. But as is always the case, the NASCAR family came together in a nice way around lunchtime. Charlotte Motor Speedway is just across the interstate from this campus, and uh, they, along with the Motor Racing Outreach, came over, delivered lunch to the entire shop, and also offered up one of their chaplains for anyone that wanted to sit down, uh, have a little conversation, and just make sure they were able to breathe freely and talk about what had occurred last night. And of course, when they arrived here this morning, the shop guys, that is, and girls, uh, they saw something outside at the fountain which warmed their heart. That was a fan who had left some flowers, uh, of course, not for condolences. This fan was very aware that Ryan was going to recover, and the note simply said, get well soon. That's the kind of news we've been looking for, Kristen, and we certainly believe Ryan will. Yeah, it kind of makes us smile in this sort of moment of, of chaos and uncertainty. So now, of course, uh, while the focus remains on Ryan Newman's recovery, you're at a race shop. Racing continues. Uh, is the six team going to, to head west and race this weekend? They are, Krista. This sport, as you know, has a way of recovering and moving on to the next race weekend. And certainly, they'll be remembering Ryan, but uh, they want to get back to business with this six car. So... I checked with officials here. Uh, they did uh, confirm to me that um, they will be taking the six car and all the uh, teammates with them to Las Vegas this weekend. However, the entry list for the race just came out, and obviously absent in uh, the six category is driver Ryan Newman. It says TBA right now. And so while no decision has been made on who will be in the race car, uh, they are going to move out there. And uh, a little later in the show, I'll detail just uh, what the trip back from Daytona and what the trip out to Vegas will be like for this hardworking six team. Well, we're continuing to think of everyone there at the race shop at Roush Fenway Racing. We're going to check in with you, Dave, throughout the show as well. Back here in the Charlotte studio, Jeff Burton, Steve Latart, Nate Ryan, and we've all sort of been discussing, talking about this, uh, sort of breathing a sigh of relief along with everyone. And, and Nate, I think one thing that sort of jumps out as we talk or think about Ryan Newman is just how tough of a driver he's always been known to be. Yeah, that's a hallmark of his career, really, Krista, is that he's bounced back from adversity and myself and some other reporters met with him at Roush Fenway Racing last month. And he's in a really great place professionally, entering his second year at Roush Fenway Racing as the unquestioned leader of that organization. He took them to the playoffs last year after they missed the playoffs in 2018. 
revitalized, rejuvenated that team, very much like he did at Richard Childress Racing when in his first season there in 2014, he made the championship round. He's also won at Team Penske. He's won at Stuart Haas Racing over his 18 seasons in Cup. And I think, though, that he still wants that first championship, that elusive first championship. And at age 42, he is still driven by that, motivated by that. And we heard that from him that day that he talked at the shop. I mean, very much engaged and driven to still win that first title. And we saw last night how close he was to winning his second Daytona 500, which would have kicked off the 2020 season in a really good way for him. I think, like you said, Steve, it's, what's crazy is we're all in the sport. We're all a part of this sort of community, but we're all fans. And, and you pointed out you were watching sort of along with everyone at home. Yeah, I mean, to be a crew chief, to be a member in the sport, this is a risk that everyone is aware and everyone knows exists. But you, I think you have to kind of put it aside to go compete, whether that's strapping as a driver for me for many years, climbing on top of the pit box, strapping in one of my friends to go drive. You have to understand the risk is there. And if you think about that, I'm not sure you can do your job to the level at which it needs to be done. And and that is a bit abnormal. And, and yesterday, watching from home, the Daytona 500, much like you mentioned, when this accident happened, it was quite a bit surreal. And then, as Marty mentioned, just the time, the unknown. You know, not knowing, I think, was perhaps the worst part um, you know, your mind races, you stay off social media the best you can because everyone has an opinion. And then late last night, we got some news. And then today's news uh, has definitely lifted everyone's spirits, including mine. I'm no doctor, but um, the in continuing improvement has been great for my mood and hopefully everybody's. And I'm wishing Ryan and the family the best. Yeah, you know, when you're in, when you're in this circle, you, you, you see people's kids, you see people's parents, and, you know, immediately you're thinking about those two little girls, right? And and you're sitting there watching, and, and you know it didn't look good for a while. And the only thing I could think about was those little girls. And, and uh, you know the families are there supporting their husbands, their wives, their fathers are there supporting them. And you know that they they may not know everything that's going on, but they know enough. And it's it's scary for them. And and uh, to give them some great news, some good news today, just you know makes me feel so much better because uh, you know there's there's these I think many times fans look at these guys as gladiators. But they have families, you know. They are. They do have people there with them that care about them and love them. And uh, it's just so good that that you know those girls got some good news today. Yeah, and he is one of you know kind of known and like Nate, like you're talking about one of the toughest drivers. But when you see him with the girls, and even at the Hall of Fame, noticed you know he was a presenter uh, for Buddy Baker's induction, and you saw him get so emotional when he talks about the people who meant so much to to his career. You know, Don Miller at Penske Racing or, or Buddy Baker. You see that that kind of emotion, and when you talk about the family, uh, I think that's the side that, that fans get to see as well. Yeah, I think the other thing too for me and Marty mentioned it. You know, Corey LaJoy and and Ryan um, um, Ryan Blaney. You know, th- those guys. They had a terrible night too, and uh, but they didn't do anything wrong. You know, neither did Ryan Newman. They're all trying to win the Daytona 500, and like you just mentioned, Steve, it's you know when you when you sign on to do this, you also sign on to take those risks and to do the things it takes. And and in, in, in my eyes, all three of, you know all three of these drivers are doing what they had to do to try to win the Daytona 500. Ryan Newman doesn't block right there; he doesn't win the 500. If 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 Blaney doesn't keep going, he doesn't have a chance to win the 500. I mean, and and for LaJoy, you know, there's nothing in the world he could do, but you know they all felt horrible. But, you know, you said it. I mean, it's you, you sign up for it, you put yourself in this situation. But I want to be clear, you know, I saw some, some comments on social media that I just thought were ridiculously and uncalled for. Uh, you know, those guys were out there racing, doing the best that they could, and I don't know anybody could point the finger at them saying they would have done anything different because I know I wouldn't if I'd have done what every single one of them did.
Yeah, it was this moment in time where, um, you know, in the NASCAR community, we've been very fortunate. It has been a long time since we've had to go through a situation like this. But in the motorsports community, it's, it's never long enough. There have been multiple situations over the last decade where people have unfortunately become injured and lost their life in a race car. And, and while we all are adult and are aware of the facts and the risk, that doesn't make it easier or simpler or, or any less emotional when perhaps it's there. It doesn't matter that you know it's a potential, the fact that it happens and the moment it happens. Jeff, I'll never forget the first race we ever covered together. Race number one, we watched Dale Earnhardt Jr. win the, su- the summer race at Daytona as Austin Dillon went into the catch fence. And there was a moment in time that absolutely took my breath away because I didn't know. I mean, I, I had no idea. And the unknowing is the worst part. And, and the great result that night was we saw the driver immediately. Right. We got some resolution immediately as Austin Dillon climbed from that car. And that was the thing last night, I think, was just the quiet sense of unknown for the hours that passed after the wreck. Yeah, I, you know what I remember about that was the tone in your voice. Because we had been, the post-race, you know, Kyle, Dale, and I had been cleared because there was going to be no post-race because that race had gone so long into the night. So I was watching, you guys, and I remember the tone of your voice, and it just sort of you stop in your tracks, and like you guys said, the, the waiting is sort of that worst part because you can't control anything, just waiting for the information. And, and listen, everyone's human, and I, I'll, I'll admit, I was so captivated by the end of the Daytona 500 and the battle to the line between Ryan Blaney and Denny Hamlin that, that I'm guilty of, of seeing the wreck and thought, we've seen this before. And until I saw the damage to the car and the replay of the wreck, then it instantly was the gut punch. That was the moment. I've seen racing my entire life, and and it's, it's an awful thing to say that I've almost become used to cars getting in these accidents because we've seen them so often at Daytona. But it became very clear to me with the damage, the scene, and the replay just how severe this crash was. That's, I think, while the silence was awful and then last night's news good, today's news even better. Yeah, yeah I, I, uh, you, know, you mentioned that, Rick, with... You know, I didn't know what to say because what I said earlier with, with the little girls of, of Ryan's, mm-hmm is that I'm good friends with Austin Dillon's father. Yeah. And I, that's the only thing I could think about with his, with his parents and, 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 and his grandfather. And, and you, know, that's, you know, that's what this community does. This NASCAR community, I mean, we will fight, we will argue, we will wrestle, we will lie, we will cheat, we will do all those things it takes to win, it seems. But when the chips are down, the, it rallies. It rallies. And, and, and on that night, right, that's, that's what I felt last night. I mean, you saw the entire... The entire NASCAR community come together to, to support Ryan and support his family, the fans, everybody involved. And uh, that, you know, every now and then we have these moments. We had it last summer with, with Dale Jr.'s airplane wreck where you have to take a step back and remember that there are some things that are more important than a race you may win or may lose. And, and you know, this this was certainly one of those moments. And you hate to have these moments, right? You hate to... I, I wish we all, and I've included myself in this, I wish we all could not have to have these moments to remind ourselves that there's some things more important than how you finish in a race or, or what kind of day you had at work. There are some things that are more important. And unfortunately, it seems like it just takes these huge moments to, to remind us. But every time it happens, this community is, I'm just so proud of them. This community always finds a way to rally and, and do what it takes. Well, that's what we're going to do for the next hour is continue to walk you through uh, our opinions, insight, deliver the facts as we have them to you. But you're a part of that NASCAR community as well. So uh, we're just going to kind of walk through it together and, and tell the stories and, and offer as much as we can 
for you. And that includes what we have coming up. We're going to be joined by three-time Daytona 500 champion Dale Jarrett, who provides his insight on what took place last night at Daytona. NASCAR America on NBCSN is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. Welcome back. The news and subsequent concern about Ryan Newman's crash traveled far last night. Even the president, who was at the Daytona 500 when it began on Sunday, actually giving the command to fire the engines, President Trump expressing his best wishes for Ryan on social media as did presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, the former mayor of Ryan's hometown of South Bend, Indiana. From the motorsports world, Mario Andretti extending prayers to Newman. So did Brad Kozlowski, who was involved in an earlier crash last night. And again, again, so glad to be told by Roush Fenway that Ryan Newman is awake and speaking with family and doctors. That news coming out just before 4 p.m. Eastern today. We are now joined by our colleague, Dale Jarrett, a three-time Daytona 500 champion. But Dale, you're also calling in today because you have some insight into the crash and one person in particular who it has affected, right? Yeah, that's right, Krista. And uh, just let me say that uh, the news that we got uh, just a little while ago is great news uh, that, that Ryan uh, is, is awake uh, and alert and, and talking. That's fantastic. Uh, and... Obviously, I knew Ryan competed against him, and what a great competitor uh, he was. We had our differences along the way, but uh, I still call him a friend. And on the other side of that, uh, in that yesterday, as I watched the end of that race, uh, my son, Jason, uh, has been the spotter for Ryan for, gosh, six or seven years now. And, uh, uh, you know, they have a great uh, line of communication. They're good friends. Uh, Ryan has told me a number of times how much he appreciates the way that Jason goes about his job and gives him the information that he's looking for, what he needs, and it looked like that it was going to result in a Daytona 500 win for him possibly yesterday. But as we well know, these things change quickly. Uh, I spoke with Jason uh, this morning again uh, about it. Uh, he was obviously upset, concerned. Um, he was at the hospital for a while last night, uh, but he was questioning himself. Was there something that he could have done as a spotter differently uh, had he done his job right? But uh, I think that we all know that, that he did his job. He got his man to the front, helped him get there. Ryan Newman was doing a great job driving the race car, but, but uh, you know, it, it hits home there, too, because you, you don't want to see your kids hurting but we're all hurting for Ryan Newman and his family in this situation now. So, uh, um, yeah, as Jeff has pointed out, uh, and others, uh, as drivers, you know, this is what we do. You, you strap in. No one ever made me sit in, in one of these cars, took me out and made me strap in. Uh, it was a choice that we make. We want to be there. You know, part of the rush, part of the adrenaline rush, part of the rush of, of competing is getting yourself in a position uh, to win the biggest races and the Daytona 500 being the biggest race in NASCAR. And Ryan Newman had done exactly that. Um, does everyone like that type of racing all the time at Daytona and Talladega? You know that there's four times a year that you're going to put yourself in a different situation than what you are at most other racetracks. Uh, anything can happen anywhere at any time, as we've seen uh, at, at many different types of tracks. But these two particular tracks uh, lend themselves to that. It have done that, in particular, since 1987, when Bobby Allison uh, got up into the catch fence at Talladega, uh, right at the, the start-finish line there. And, and that 
changed the, the way that racing was done at Daytona and Talladega and in the past. So you know this going in. You might not like it. Um, I don't think it was something that was Ryan Newman's favorite thing to do, but he was really good at it. And he was showing that again yesterday. And uh, just fortunate. And I have to say that to, to NASCAR, to the car manufacturers, to uh, everyone in the garage area that has helped initiate safety uh, issues and, and initiatives in the sport for these race cars and, and helping these drivers to be able to go through situations like this. And Jeff Burton, you're one of those people that was always at the forefront of, of helping and looking at the safety side of this. And uh, those, all of those things put together are why Ryan Newman is there and, and able to talk today. But uh, it's a scary situation. And, um, uh, but it's not something that, that's really going to go away. Uh, these competitors know it. You don't have to like it. But if you're going to compete, you, you've got to go out and do it. Well, DJ, I think everybody in the industry knows that, that Jason was doing his job and didn't do anything wrong. As I said, the other the drivers didn't do anything wrong either. It, this kind of racing puts drivers in situations they're not in at other kind of racetracks. But, you know, one of the things I get asked all the time, and you speak so well, and you probably can explain it better, you know, what is it about the Daytona 500? And what is it about, you know, winning these races? Why are drivers willing to put themselves in this situation? It's very difficult for me to explain how much it means but, drive, but fans are constantly asking it, so maybe you can help. Maybe you can explain it. Yeah, well, I think the first thing is it, it is the Daytona 500. It has been uh, it, it's been the, the biggest race that we have in the sport for for single event, uh, and everybody wants to win it. When you come in, when you first get into stock cars, you, you're dreaming of winning the Daytona 500. Uh, it's the biggest event. Uh, we've seen how much it's meant to so many different uh, champions. Uh, non-champions over the years to, to know that they are a Daytona 500 champion. And you know, you, you're willing to put yourself out there on the line, make moves, do things uh, to try to win that race uh, that people look at from the outside and maybe don't understand exactly why you would put yourself in that position. That's how much it means uh, to, to try to be the, the best on this particular day. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you can do everything that you want to, um, to make these cars safe, to try to take them, to, to keep them from going up in the air. But you can't, you can't ever do everything to understand exactly what's going to happen in these situations. And, and it's, again, it's unfortunate. It brings us back to reality very quickly. Sometimes I think we think, oh, my gosh, these cars have gotten so safe uh, that, that nothing's really going to happen. And, and, you know, we expect the drivers to get out and walk away. But uh, the, the reality is this is still uh, a sport that, that takes a competitor and puts them in a very dangerous situation, especially at these tracks. But that you're willing to do that, put yourself out there for that because of the competitor that you are and how much the race means. Well, thank you, Dale, for, for calling in and joining us and giving us that insight uh, from Jason as well. Thanks. And, and again, just wishing uh, Ryan uh, a speedy recovery, uh, whether it's back to a race car or not, just getting back and able to enjoy his daughters and everything that that brings along. I also have an aid. I've gotten many texts uh, asking about that. Charles Barkley wanted me to send his very best uh, to, to Ryan and his family, too. So it's not just our world that's in there, as Jeff was speaking about. It's everybody uh, that's a competitor around the world that, that is wishing Ryan Newman the very best. Yeah, this story has certainly covered the miles for sure.
Coming up, we're going to hear from Denny Hamlin, who joined Dale Jarrett with a third Daytona 500 crown last night. Of course, our focus continues to be on Ryan Newman. I want to apologize to everybody. We, we got in the winner's circle. We were all celebrating. I knew there was a wreck, but I had no idea how serious it was. So for everybody out there, just when everybody in here got it, that it was something serious that we all kind of backed off. So I just want everybody to know that. It's one of the hardest, the toughest, biggest races to win. And then I think everybody's kind of caught up. What do you do? I mean, we're thrilled to win it. But then when you find out what happened, which we didn't know early, so then it, I think everybody, you know, backed off and we started praying. As it sinks in more, it's difficult to celebrate it. Honestly, uh, Ryan and I went to college together, and, and I've known Ryan for a long time. I think a lot of him. And um, definitely our thoughts are, are with Ryan, and that's the most important thing to me. And, and I just wanted to gather my guys together real quick and, and make, them, make them aware that, that we're uncertain uh, what's going on with Ryan right now, and he's the number one thing. Winning the Daytona 500 is a big deal, but it pales in comparison to his health. Those were some of the comments made by those with the winning team, Denny Hamlin's uh, 11, once they learned of the severity of Ryan Newman's crash. Now, Marty Snyder's still in Daytona, where he was last night. And, Marty, I want to get your take specifically on how everything transpired from your viewpoint in Victory Lane after hearing some of those comments that you got from Coach Gibbs and Crew Chief Chris Gabehart. Yeah, yeah, Chris, it honestly was a perfect storm of everything kind of coming together. Obviously, with the accident on the last lap of the race, Denny Hamlin winning his third Daytona 500. And so messages really didn't get delivered. Again, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Everybody just expected Ryan to get out of the car. And as time started passing, everybody started realizing, well, something may be wrong here. And it was Chris Gapehart. You heard him mention it a moment ago. He actually, they, they got out, they had the, the celebration. That lasted about a minute and a half, two minutes. And then Gapehart realized what was going on literally huddled his guys in the corner of victory lane and the mood completely changed chris i mean it went way down it was very muted after that point and coach gibbs mentioned it as well as soon as we realized what was happening we stopped celebrating we started praying we started thinking about ryan newman and they all thought about him clearly in victory lane as all those sound bites just played out and it was very personal for chris gaypart i want to bring that up because he mentioned they went to college together they were very close friends gaypart was a freshman when ryan newman was a senior they were racquetball buddies they would watch NASCAR races together. And then even when Ryan Newman graduated, they spent time together. And it's just another example of how tightly knit this NASCAR community is, something you never would have put together that Chris Gabehart and Ryan Newman went to college together and they're battling for the win on the Daytona 500. Yeah, and we saw that sort of subdued feeling from Denny Hamlin, the driver, uh, once he learned as well. Um, anything there to add on Denny? We didn't get to hear from him there in, in those sound bites, but I know you talked to him in victory lane, Marty. I think what Denny didn't know how to react, to be honest. You know, he's trying to celebrate, and, and they had set all these team goals, and he just didn't know how to react. But everyone had the right – once everyone realized, Krista, what was going on, and I know they caught a lot of flack for it on social media, but they didn't have the information. Denny, once he got past the lug nut check, unplugged his radio, and I believe they tried to talk to him after that and say, hey, we don't know what's going on with Ryan, but his radio was unplugged. So no one really had the full story of what was happening. But I can tell you, being in victory lane – once they had that full story, Krista, the mood completely changed. Thanks, Marty, as always, for that insight. And, yeah, I think what Marty's talking about there, uh, we saw that in some, some tweets on social media from Denny's spotter, Chris Lambert, um, about that sort of maybe communication breakdown. 
um, that happens after a race, Steve. Yeah, I mean, Chris Lambert takes credit, says that, you know, it was his responsibility as the spotter to communicate to Denny what happened. But as soon as they crossed the checkered, he went down. In the second tweet, he mentions going to check with Jason Jarrett, the spotter for Ryan Newman. But listen, um, as a crew chief, there's a moment in time that you, you work and you drive and you motivate for. And when you see your car crossing the start-finish line, it's tunnel vision of, of celebration. And, and I know that is, uh, it sounds cold. It, it is, it's basically, I think, that you have no room for any other emotion. There's so much drive and work and energy that was put into that. And there is no protocol. Radios come off. Drivers take helmets off. Unplug. Crew members jump off the wall. Radios come apart. You know, the, the, the competition is over. There's no more reason to stay in communication. And I think Coach Gibbs said it the best, and I saw what Coach Gibbs described, which is the team celebrated because they didn't know. And once everyone understood the severity of the situation, I thought the mood changed dramatically. I appreciate the spotter trying to put this on his shoulders. That's unnecessary. This is just a, a moment of events. I mentioned it a segment ago. As a fan at home, I was captivated by the finish. So as one of the competitors who did it, I can see how it's easy to be caught up in the emotion of the moment, not knowing. Once they knew, Jeff, you've won those races. You remember that moment of crossing the start-finish line? Even if someone's telling you something different, I'm not sure you're listening at that point. Yeah, and, you know, listen, you've worked your whole life to win the Daytona 500, and, and did it, of course it didn't look good that they were celebrating, but it, they didn't know the whole picture. And, and, you know, you have to remember, this isn't a football field where you can see a player down. You know, when that happens, they're moving that way. It gets far away. And a wreck where someone's being taken out of the car looks the same as a normal wreck, right? All the rescue goes there. Everybody goes there anyway. Um, listen, I know Denny Hamlin well enough. You know Denny Hamlin well enough. Joe Gibbs. These guys weren't out there celebrating knowing that Ryan Newman was down there hurt. Right. It, it, wasn't, it didn't look good, but the truth, I mean, everybody knows that they're not those kind of people. Yeah, and after his obligations at Daytona, Denny actually went to Halifax and spoke to Ryan's father. So you knew where his thoughts were before he did the obligation of the media tour to New York City and everything else. Yeah, and we do want to point out, it's the bottom of the hour, 5.30. If you are just joining us, we did uh, receive word from the team from Roush Fenway Racing. Uh, some very hopeful news. This happened just before 4 p.m. Eastern that Ryan Newman was awake and speaking with his family and doctors. So we will continue to bring you updates, not just today, but throughout the week um, as the NASCAR season rolls on. But we have more to bring you here tonight. Coming up, a man who has most certainly lived the highs and lows of the Daytona 500, two-time Daytona 500 champion Dale Earnhardt Jr. joins us to share his thoughts on last night's events. Welcome back to NASCAR America. As we continue to examine what took place at the ending of last night's race down in Daytona, we're going to bring in our buddy and colleague from the booth, Dale Earnhardt Jr., who happened to win a couple 500s in his career. Junior, thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, it's good to be on, guys. So a crazy race, crazy finish. We've kind of given our thought. Give us your thought on uh, not only the race, but the accident and the announcements we've recently received about uh, Ryan Newman and his health. Well, I thought the race was... Uh pretty exciting a lot of great uh you know a lot of a lot of movement and guys on different strategies and guys with different agendas uh whether it be trying to get stage points um or trying to put themselves in a better position to to win the race and it was pretty captivating and entertaining um you know it we we had a lot of hard, big, hard wrecks near the end of that race. It took out a lot of competition, and 
changed really the entire complexity of the race. And uh, we, we came down to overtime, which is, you know, always raises the risk factor of an accident. And for a driver and, and for me personally, um, I, I, I had a ton of anxiety over what we were about to see. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I just knew that the risk factor was really high. And, um, you know, I, I uh, you know, we saw the finish and, and saw the, the crash. And I don't even think I knew in that moment the severity of the accident. Uh, there was so much going on that, that I didn't, my eye didn't really catch everything that Ryan Newman had went through in that moment. And, um, and you know, and I, I, I think back to, you know, since I've had several hours to really reflect on uh, a lot of different things, and, and we've gotten some great news about Ryan, and, and uh, you know, we can start thinking about his, his future and his recovery and what that may look like. Uh, and we wait, we wait is what we do. We wait for more information. Um, we try to, you know, we try to make contact with those close to Ryan to, to show our support and, um, and you reach out to those others that are affected by the accident or involved in the accident to, to make sure that, that everybody's, um, in good spirits as they possibly can be in this in this time. But as as more time has passed, I really think back, um uh you guys I was on the line listening to y'all talk about the reaction to Benny and the team celebrating and that was just so unfortunate the fallout from that because you know I think back to two thousand and one, uh when when dad had his accident and Michael Waltrip had made it all the way to victory lane himself and is celebrating what he feels like the most incredible moment of his life. Um, waiting on dad to walk right into that victory lane at any moment uh, to celebrate with him. So I think that can tell you as a fan, um, you know, how that, how that process can happen, you know, and how, how, how what happened with Benny and his team can easily happen. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of other similar situations that are that are much like that to compare that to that, that make it understandable for what played out with Denny and his team. So, um, you know, I, was, I found that interesting, but uh, I, I just can't stop thinking about Brian and I, you know, and, and just waiting on more news, more information. Um, so we can, and when, 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 we, when we can see him, you know, when, when can we physically talk to Ryan and, and, uh, you know, put our own eyes on him and, and get a chance to, to see how he's doing. Well, Junior, you, you are one of the very best at, at, at super speedway racing. And you did that by being just extremely aggressive. So talk to us about how aggressive you have to be if you want to win, uh, the Daytona 500. I always had the most success by always trying to lead the race. And it's not physically possible to lead every single lap. But if your mind and your mentality, the, every minute of the race is to try to lead, I felt like that, that was the best defense uh, to being involved in an accident, to being 
caught up in something in, in the middle of the pack. Um, and and I've, tr- I've tried every different way to run those plate races. And for me, that was always the most effective approach. And it starts when you show up to the racetrack. You're, you got to be that way in practice. And you got to go out there and, and it might tick some people off in practice that you're so aggressive, but you got to show them, this is how I'm going to race. But on top of that, this is what my car can do. So when the green flag drops, you, you, you see my car pull out, you're, you're going to have confidence to follow it because you've seen what it can do all weekend. And so when I was like, when I, when I approached the entire race that way and the weekend that way, I really, really had a lot of success with it. Um, sometimes it doesn't always work. And then you start thinking, maybe I'll try a different route. Maybe I'm going to sit in the back and, and try to take care of my stuff and maybe work my way up through there late in the race. And, you know, you start trying different things and maybe thinking you need to rethink your entire strategy. But I always ended up coming back around to being aggressive and having a lot of success with that. The only problem with that is it's hard to do. It's hard to push yourself to work that hard every foot of the racetrack, every straightaway, every turn, every opportunity, every run the car gets, every opportunity presented to you to do something with that car. It's hard to stay on the wheel the entire race because everybody at some point has to take a break, some sort of a mental break. Uh, and, And I think, you know, the ones that don't, you know, the ones that can sustain that sort of tenacity and, and, and fierce, you know, competitiveness throughout those races have success there. You see the same guys up toward the front of those races year after year. I even said it before the finish of the race. I mean, Denny Hamlin, if he's not the winner, he's in the picture when they cross the finish line in a lot of these races at Daytona and Talladega. And he proved it again, you know, that he's one of the best. He knew, I thought, I didn't know whether he had lost the race or not down the back straightaway. And somehow or another, he never gave up. If he wasn't going to win, he was pushing somebody to the win. And he put himself back in a situation where he ends up getting a checker flag. So um, that attitude of never quitting, never giving up, working to try to get to the front every single inch of the racetrack is, is I think, similar to Denny's and what makes him so good. Well, you mentioned that hard work and never giving up attitude. And, you know, Dale, as I watched the accident and, and since got both re- uh, press releases on Ryan's health, that's kind of what struck me. You know, I look at Ryan Newman as that blue-collar, never-give-up type guy, and, and that's what I'm hoping for in his road to recovery here. You race with him on the racetrack as you watch him trying to win his second Daytona 500. What are your thoughts on Ryan Newman and the race car driver and the person? Well, you know, he has a great nickname, Rocket Man, uh, and he got that nickname because he set on over 10 poles one year. It just seemed like everywhere we went. I remember when we went to Bristol Motor Speedway. This must be around 2003, and he broke the 15 second, uh, the 14 second barrier in qualifying. He ran like a 14.95 or something, and nobody had ever ran that fast before. And it looked faster than anybody else. Um, it was just he was always doing something super impressive uh, early on in his career. Um, I had a lot of 
good races with him on the racetrack. We raced pretty hard together at uh, Phoenix for a win there one year um, around 2004. Um, we had some run-ins. I spun him out off the, off a of turn two two years in a row at Atlanta, and we had to have a conversation about that. <laughs> and he's a he's a big old boy. He's he's a he's 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 kind of intimidating when you're outside the car talking about some of the moves you're pulling out on the racetrack. But honestly, every conversation I ever had with him about racing, we were able to work through. You know, if we ever had any kind of disagreement on the track, which is really rare. I could sit down and talk to Ryan and we would, he, he was an understanding guy and kind of could see it from both sides. So I really appreciate that about him. And he wasn't one to hold grudges either. I gave him plenty of opportunities to, to hold a grudge against me for quite a while. And race car drivers sort of have a habit of that. If you do them wrong or cross them once, you're sort of on that list for the rest of your career. But Ryan was the kind of guy that could forgive and forget and move on. Um, and he has this extremely close relationship with Ryan, uh, with uh, Martin Tricks Jr. And me and Martin are very close friends. And I learned a lot about Ryan Newman and the friend he can be through that relationship that he has with Martin. And that really impressed me. Uh, how close they became and how, how much time they would share with each other uh, on the race weekends, fishing and hunting together. And um, it's, it's, you know, and I, I, I really was impressed with the Renaissance or the, the, the sort of new chapter in, in his professional career. I didn't know that things would improve for Ryan Newman when he went to the six car, when he stepped away from the RCR and, with the Roush, I didn't know whether that was a, a lateral move or maybe a step back. I really wasn't sure exactly what that meant. And I'm going to tell you, man, Ryan took the bit between his teeth. They, he helped improve that team uh, 10 or more spots from the year before in performance across the board, got themselves into the playoffs. Nobody counted on them to, to, to accomplish anything like that. And he, he took a he really took a personal interest in improving that team and making it better and showing people that he had something left in the tank. I really really appreciate that about him and uh and he uh as a race car driver, obviously we talked about how hard he is to pass, and he wore that like a badge of honor, you know, and we would talk about it, and everybody across the garage, everybody that rose out on that racetrack with him. They just knew that was what you got when you went up against Ryan Newman. He was going to be hard to pass, and he wasn't going to give anybody any favors out on the racetrack. And I don't know. I think we all kind of got to where we really appreciated that about Ryan, and especially being in the booth as a broadcaster, I loved it. I loved it <laughs> because he could change the, the, the look of a race uh, on the drop of a hat. And, uh, you know, by, by competing and, and racing and making things difficult and challenging people, uh, he really made it fun as a broadcaster to, to, to call a race with him in it. Yeah, there's no doubt Ryan Newman was as tough as they come on the racetrack to call. I'm excited to hopefully call some more races in the future. But, Dale, thanks for your opinion. Appreciate it. You can catch more Dale Jr. download tomorrow with special guest, first-time Xfinity race winner Noah Gregson, as well as Kyle Larson. But up next... 
We'll check back in with Dave Burns at the Roush Fenway shop. NASCAR America on NBCSN is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. Welcome back to NASCAR America. Again, if you are just joining us, we received hopeful news just a little over an hour ago from Roush Fenway Racing that Ryan Newman, who was involved in that horrific crash at the end of the Daytona 500, he's still at the hospital, but he is awake and speaking with his family and doctors. Let's check back in with Dave Burns, who is at the Roush Fenway shop. Dave, we talked a little bit about the team's plans. They are going to Las Vegas. Uh, what else can you tell us about what's happening there at the shop behind you? Well, most everyone has gone home now, Krista, and uh, that's getting ready for uh, the work day tomorrow, which will include the transporter for the 16 and the 17, their teammates, pulling out in the morning. That'll be about 7 a.m. that uh, Scott, who goes by Pop Top, and Glenn will uh, man the six truck and head out toward Las Vegas. That's a 2,200-mile drive, and it will be a long one uh, to get the six car out there. Um, but really, to remember, Krista, the industry itself is in the middle of a very busy week with the West Coast swing starting. So the basic difference between everyone else and these guys is that they've had to live with the uncertainty uh, until now of what's going on with Ryan. The updates are so encouraging and so positive, so they've got that to work with. But then also the uncertainty of who's going to be behind the wheel of the six car. And while we don't have any information for you on that at this time, what I'd like to be is a fly on the wall tomorrow morning before that transporter for the six car pulls out. Because while most of the preparation was done today, the cleaning of the hauler, the adding of equipment, and the loading of race cars probably a race car driver's seat has not been loaded into that transporter yet and that may happen tomorrow morning between 6 and 7 a.m. as they get ready to roll out to Las Vegas the uh, company ready to uh, will be ready to announce that when they are ready but for now all of us are wondering who TBA might be behind the wheel of the six car this weekend well thank you Dave we wish Pop Top and Glenn a safe journey as they make their way out west we know Ryan Newman won't be behind the wheel but we have a feeling a lot of new Ryan Newman fans We'll be cheering that hauler along as they see it go down the interstate. When we come back, some final thoughts. We'll also show you what some drivers are saying with this latest hopeful news about Ryan Newman. Two of the game's biggest stars going to be on the ice tonight in Pittsburgh. The Maple Leafs' Austin Matthews has been a goal-scoring machine this season. We'll see if he can add to his total tonight against Sidney Crosby and the streaking Penguins. We know all of you out there are Ryan Newman fans. Ryan Newman strong. You'll have your chance to call in, give your comments on that. The racing on Thursday, Motor Mouse. I know Steve, myself, will be here. Um, but we also know drivers and lots of folks in the NASCAR community are talking about this great uh, new hopeful news that Ryan Newman is awake and speaking. Um, Kurt Busch jumping in. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it better, right? They're, they all, I think, are saying in their own words what we're all thinking. Could no better news, no tougher competitor. Uh, you know, Jeff, we've heard everybody kind of voicing Clint Boyer, I think, says it the best, right? Great news. That's what it is. I really hope that we continue to get great news for sure. I mean, I think all everyone has, has given the same thoughts that resonated with me, which is the updates are wonderful. But, you know, Ryan Newman is as blue car, a hard worker, tough driver as they come. And I would expect nothing less than that with his road to recovery. And hopefully we continue to get good updates. It'd be great to see, it'd be great to see him, uh, you know, and, and just get more positive news in the future. And, you know, it just, it reminds me, you know, we talk a lot about safety and how much NASCAR has done to make these cars safer, right? But when you strap yourself in something going 200 miles an hour, it's dangerous. And, and 
you know, we, we hate to get reminders like this, but we do. But, you know, I think a ton of credit goes to NASCAR that we've gotten to this point because, with you know, if this was 20, 30 years ago, we, we may not be here. Well, and again, uh, safety going to be probably a topic we'll continue to discuss this week. Um, again, the statement we received from Roush Fenway Racing um, today, just before 4 p.m. Eastern, Ryan Newman is awake and speaking with family and his doctors. Ryan and his family have expressed their appreciation, the concern and heartfelt messages. You know, we heard from Dale Earnhardt Jr. a while ago, um, 19 years ago today, Dale Earnhardt Jr. lost his father. We are so grateful that those two little girls, Brooklyn and Ashlyn, did not have to say goodbye to theirs. And we get, we're blessed to talk a, a, about racing on TV. It seems trivial in moments like this, but we are all so happy to hear that Ryan Newman's road to recovery uh, has begun and we'll continue to keep you updated. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great night.